Hi, my name is Dr. Brendan McCarthy. I'm the Chief Medical Officer of Protea Medical Center in Chandler, Arizona. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. As I always do with every podcast, I just want to let you know, please refer to the notes section or the description section of the video. In there, I will have all the works that I cite, the, the research that I use to, to guide me when I make these presentations. I spend a lot of time thinking about this. I, I think about what I want to put in here and how I want to present it. And I want you to know that I really do spend the time to have citations so that way you understand the research upon which I'm sharing this with you. So uh, with that said, I would like to start into something that I think is very much under-treated and uh, misunderstood and uh, mythologized, if I can say that, is stress. Stress. Stress is the devil. Stress is the devil. I remember in med school, in my first year of med school, and I remember um, talking about stress because it made no sense in the very beginning. You know, I was like, well, is stress bad or good? I remember, remember you know, growing up thinking stress is a bad thing always. Stress is bad, stress is bad. And I remember my Dr. Uh, Larity uh, was doing a presentation and he was talking specifically about the benefits of stress to the human being. And I was like, wait, don't, wait a minute, is stress bad or good? The answer to that is both. When you go to the gym to work out or go out to the track to run or whatever you do, you know, to exercise, you're stressing your body. When you go to change anything positive, you cause some stress. It takes some stress for us to grow. Stress is not a bad thing. I use this analogy with my patients all the time and my patients who are listening to this, you're like, dude, you use this all the time and you come up with new material and I should come up with new material, but this analogy works. Sometimes this coach or if I'm this trainer and I have this athlete and she's this, you know, professional athlete and I want her to do well, um, would I train her every single day? No. What would I do? I would do something called periodization. I would make sure they have, they exercise and then they have recovery. Exercise and recovery. That's stress. And then there's a recovery from the stress. The thing is, is that we are supposed to be experiencing recovery for the amount of stress that we have. And the problem is, none of us do. Whenever there's free time, we start to add more things in there for us to do. How many people spend a lot of time being quiet and relaxing? Very few. Very, very few. So let's go to a case maybe in more specifics with this. A patient will present to clinic and they'll have fatigue. They'll be exhausted. Um, they'll be exhausted all day long. And they'll be the person who drinks, you know, coffee in the morning, has like two cups maybe. And maybe they'll have an energy drink midday or two. And they're still tired. It'll be that person who's, who's uh, not able to fall asleep at night maybe. And they're running and running all day long. It's the person who's going to start gaining weight, low-grade weight gain in the background. It's the person who's going to notice their brain doesn't work the way it used to. Things start slowing down. And they can present to clinic, and they don't realize these are all linked up. They're like, I'm tired all the time, can't think clearly, gaining some weight. Fix me. <laughs> That's what they do. Come in and like, fix me. And they hate the answer. But first, before I go there that far, your doctor is supposed to hear you when you say that. I'm supposed to hear you when you say that. I'm tired. 
don't have any energy throughout the day. I can't sleep at night and, and I'm gaining weight. My job is to listen to you and to understand what that means. It's not to dismiss you. The minute a doctor dismisses you, you should dismiss the doctor. Let's put it that way. That's important. So when the patient presents with these things into my practice, we listen to them. I'm not going to blame them and say you're not sleeping because you're drinking caffeine all day. I'm not going to blame them and say you're overeating. That's why you're not, you know, that's why you're not losing weight. I'm not going to say you're tired during the day because you're laying around, sitting around too much. You're lazy. That's not what you say to people because that's not scientific and that's not science. <laughs> that's opinion. And that doesn't belong. Okay. So what happens in these cases? And, and when they come to me, what happens? I run their labs. They don't always like the answer though. You know, they want the answer. You need and you want, you deserve the answer. But do you really want the answer I'm going to give you? Not always. And, and what does that mean? When I run labs in these cases, I'm looking at cortisol. I'm looking at your cortisol. Cortisol is the backbone of how you respond to stress. It's a natural anti-inflammatory. You make it. You're supposed to have it. It has a bad reputation from like late night commercials throughout the 90s and later. Everyone thinks cortisol causes you to gain weight. It does and it doesn't. There's a thing about it. It kind of does, but it doesn't. So I'll get to that in a minute. But irregularities with stress and cortisol will cause you to have some weight gain. Okay. Chronic stress and irregularities with your cortisol will cause you to have daytime fatigue. Chronic stress and irregularities with your cortisol will really fool around with your ability to sleep at night and your circadian rhythm. What we see, before I go to what we see, let me step back and let me talk about the response to stress so you understand what we're looking for. When you first have a stressful event, something happens to you that's not great. You perceive the stressor in front of you, whatever it is. When you perceive that stressor is something not good, you respond by releasing epinephrine, norepinephrine, which is adrenaline, and you release cortisol. Okay? So your body's like, I got to deal with this. Something's about to happen. And if it's a normal stressor, it goes up and then goes back down, and you're fine. You go about your day after that, or your week, or your month, whatever. It was just a short-term thing, little stressor, you're fine. But what if it's like an abusive workplace? You know, where you're going to work and your boss is just awful, yelling at you. You know, you're working constantly under high-stress job. Your cortisol, you're always going to be perceiving the stress in front of you. You're always going to keep seeing that. It's going to constantly keep driving at you, okay? So you're going to keep on secreting that cortisol. You're going to have that first wave of cortisol. It's going to be nice and high. Epinephrine, norepinephrine, nice and high because you're like jittery. Like, I got to take care of this. I got to manage this. I got a lot going on. You run your engines hard. You go that and you're, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to deal with this monster boss. Or I'm going to deal with this contract or whatever it is you're due for, whatever this is stress is. And it could be relationships, whatever it is. That's the initial phase of stress responses. That's that adapted higher level of epinephrine, norepinephrine, and, and cortisol. But you can only maintain that for so long. After a while, you drop off. Because your adrenal gland is not made to do this all the time, every time. Think about the athlete. Think about the stress I want to put on my athlete. Do I want her to be running every day, all day, all the time? No. What happens when she does? Injury. Why does she get injured? Why do they get injured? Cortisol is your natural anti-inflammatory. So initial stress, high. Chronic stress drops low. Cortisol then levels go down low. Now you have low cortisol. And you have low epinephrine, norepinephrine. 
So you're starting more inflammation because of the low cortisol, low energy because the epinorepi is low. That's what happens in this next phase of stress. Phase of stress. What caused the weight gain, Brendan? <laughs> Good question. Cortisol is funky, and cortisol does not cause you to gain weight. And I've said this in a previous podcast, I think. If I didn't, I'm saying it now. Cortisol does not cause you to gain weight. Never did, never will. Okay? I promise. You're like, I watch all these videos, B. Don't trust them yet. Hear me out first. Cortisol causes you to lose weight. When you're a teenager, say, I use this analogy too. This is a silly one, but I'm just going to use it. When you're a teenager and you're dating someone, say, or you have a friend that's just dating, whatever it is, right? You're dating and, and they break up and you lose 10 pounds, say, when you break up with this person. You lose 10 pounds from all the stress. Remember that? That like thing like, wow, you lost all that weight. Maybe we should stick with that diet and you know, break up with someone and lose weight. That's cortisol. That's initially what cortisol does under acute stress. You lose weight. Okay? Cortisol, when it's low, you have slow metabolism. Cortisol, when it's low, you have low metabolism. So it's hard to lose weight. Okay, so Brennan, you said high cortisol causes me to lose weight. Low cortisol slows down weight loss. Where was the weight gain in there? Ah. That's the tricky part. Cortisol, when it does that dance, it stimulates your pancreas to release more insulin than it should. So now whenever you eat a carbohydrate, your body's going to store fat disproportionate to your calories. That's a different podcast that I did. We'll go to that one differently. So I just, I just wanted you to know the weight gain part is not cortisol by itself. It's cortisol stimulation of insulin, insulin responding now to carbohydrate intake. Okay, It's cortisol independent at that point because it's more insulin. But cortisol triggered the pathway. So... Back to the stressful person. They present to my clinic. They're at the low end. Their cortisol is low. Their epinephrine and norepinephrine is low. They're tired throughout the day. They're taking ca in caffeine just to keep the engines running. Caffeine stimulating that epinorepi up here. You know? So when they present, I run the lab and I see their cortisol is low. What do I do? First, what caused them to get there? You'll have patients presenting to clinic who are under stress because they're in a toxic workplace. They're in a toxic relationship. They're in an unhealthy work-life balance of some sort. And they're not taking care of themselves. The medicine for this is simple. It really is. But it's hard. You have to change your life. Sometimes you can't. Most of the times you can't. Because, you know, you can't. You have kids. You can't stop that one. And sometimes you're the only care provider. You can't stop that one. Sometimes that's the only thing you have to do. And uh, your doctor's role, the job of your doctor, is to understand that. It's not to give you an ultimatum, say, you got to quit your job. <laughs> that's, that's not what a good doctor does. A good doctor sits by your side and understands where you are and helps. Okay? So what do I do? First of all, I need their cortisol to be at the right level at the right time of day. So that's the next thing to know. Cortisol should be high in the morning. It drops off when you go to sleep. That's the circadian rhythm, okay? So I want their cortisol higher in the morning. I want it lower in the evening. So I need to make sure I establish that. There's ways of doing that. Sometimes I will use some natural things to help push that back into the range. The only way to know it worked is if I ran the lab work. Sometimes I'll actually prescribe hydrocortisone because they have no cortisol and they need cortisol. 
So our job with those people is to get the circadian rhythm back to normal, get the circadian rhythm back to normal where their cortisol is higher in the morning because that's going to wakes you up, gives you energy in the morning. And then when it drops off towards the evening, that's what helps you get into deeper layers of sleep. So our first role with these people is to help create that circadian rhythm because that's where it belongs to be, is high in the morning, low in the evening. We then counsel them the best that we can about how to change our lives and move it around. Not everyone is willing to accept the fact that their lifestyles are causing this. And, you know, there was a study done on professional athletes. I remember reading it. And the thing was, is, um, the thing was, how do, how do athletes achieve the things they achieve? Like these, these young athletes who go into the Olympics, these gymnastic kids, right? How do they do this? How are they able to, the swimmers, Ledecky, how, does she, how do these kids do this? Phelps, how do they do this? How do they perform like that? Well, studies show how they do is they lie to themselves. They lie to themselves. They say, I'm not tired. <laughs> this doesn't hurt. I'm not hungry. I can keep going. One more lap. I can go faster. And in all the years of practice, I hear that in my patients too. A lot of times we lie to ourselves. I can keep going. This doesn't bother me. This is stressful. The role of the physician is to show you the impact it's having on your health so that way you can finally look at it and say, well, maybe I am pushing this a little too hard. And then you create a protocol together to help rectify it. Now, I know there are so many supplements out on the market that are geared towards the adrenal gland. Okay, There's all kinds of herbs out there. Ashwagandha's out there. There's ginseng out there. There's all kinds of B vitamin protocols out there. Do they work? Depends. And, and, and I hate giving you that answer. I hate that answer because I've been a patient hearing that answer in my life. I don't like that answer either. I know, but that is the true answer. Okay? It depends. It depends on why you're having the stress, what the biology of your response is. What I can promise you is that when your doctor prescribes something, even if it's a supplement, if they say you should take ginseng because that's pretty cool stuff and you should take ashwagandha or you should take this B vitamin complex, your doctor needs to run the labs to verify that it worked. Just because it's over-the-counter as a supplement doesn't mean it's not being used as a medication. You need to treat it as a medication because this is your health and your your, your, your wellness is involved. And you're, you're directly tied to this. If you allow your adrenals to stay depleted for too long, it's so much easier to get sick. You're not your best self. It, it ages us quickly. It's important that when we treat this, we really cover it and we care for it scientifically. I see where patients are taking these over-the-counter supplements that their, their doctor or their person recommended them to take, and there's no impact, no benefit, because no lab work and no follow-up. So again... If your doctor prescribes you these things or your herbalist or whatever you see, I'm not saying don't take it. But what I am saying is run your labs to verify. Sometimes in clinic, we will use hydrocortisone, you know, and hydrocortisone is bioidentical. It's very similar to what you make in your own body. But I use the dose that is specific to your body's needs. And I run my labs. I monitor it. While I have them on the hydrocortisone, though, I'm doing everything in my power to help them change their lifestyle to being more in line with what their body can tolerate. They're my athlete in the field. I need to make sure they're getting recovery days. 
one of the silly things I do is I always recommend, like, I always ask, well, what makes you laugh? What makes you laugh? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It's crazy, but it's true. What makes you laugh? And, and do that. I had this one guy, and I hope he's watching this video because I still talk about you every day. I still talk about you almost every day. There's this one patient I have. I talk about this guy every day. I wrote him a prescription to get a motorcycle. <laughs> because that was what his thing was. And I know some people hear that be like, Brendan, motorcycles are not safe. Eh, I know, I know. But it, that was what brought him joy, right? That's what he loved. Took the guy two years to finally break down and buy himself a motorcycle. And when he did, he had the biggest smile. I remember when he came to the office, I went out of the parking lot to look at it. It worked. Look at his slabs. They worked. He was better for it. I'm not saying go buy a motorcycle. What I'm saying is that don't put off the things that are going to make you happy because they will have real impact. Finally, one tool that has come out in the treatment of stress that has become better, in my opinion, and it's something worth you considering, is these wearables people have. Aura rings, they're popular around my office right now. I think everyone has a ring on they're using. And I, you know, years from now, there may be, Aura rings may not be as popular, but now they're popular. The Apple Watch or, or you know, um, um, different, like I have a Garmin watch, all these watches. What they do is they monitor heart rate variability, okay? And I'll do a podcast specific to that down the road. But that lets you see whether you're having enough time in recovery and helps you monitor your health in a way to say, are you getting enough rest? Is your quality of sleep good? Are you still, what it monitors, your epinephrine, norepinephrine, it monitors your adrenaline and, and how your heart rate goes up and changes based upon that. And so that's another way of giving yourself feedback is whether you're taking care of yourself. So these are all things your doctor should be using to help you treat stress. I hope that was helpful. Uh, if it was, please like, uh, share, and subscribe. When you share or when you like this, you know, please know that I see that and I use that as a guide for me to develop more material along these lines. I think it's really important to give you a physician's perspective on not just like diseases, but just wellness and like supplements. Gosh, when was the last time your doctor said something about supplements? Or herbs. <laughs> I'm not, it's arrogance sometimes. It is. Listen, we, our toolbox as physicians should be full of tools that work. And you can't use every tool for every person. Not every tool works every time for different people. Sometimes I do use supplements. Heck yeah. And, but I use my lab work to verify. If you're low in vitamin D in the lab, I'm going to give you vitamin D. If you're low in B12, I'm going to give you B12. If you're low in folic acid, I'll give you folic acid. These are things we test for and monitor. So, you know, when your doctor poo-poo's that, that's not really being scientific on their part. So making podcasts like that for me is, is I just want to make sure you understand that there's so many tools in our tool chest and there's a lot of science behind it. And, and when we use these tools, we need to verify that they're effective with you. So thank you very much for tuning in. I hope this was of help and uh, have a good day. I'll see you soon.